Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, welcome back, Solar Warrior, to another Tactical Tuesday. These are conversations with subject matter experts designed to give you practical tools, tips, and advice for building your solar business or career and grow with us here on Suncast. Today's expert guide is someone whom I've admired for her intrepid entrepreneurial adventure. Piper Wilder is the co-founder of 60 Hertz. And I wanted to bring a bit back from a conversation that Piper and I had in an episode we aired originally back in the fall of 2022, where she talks about a few things that I think really do matter in the grand context of entrepreneurship. One is the intricacy of being a non-technical founder and finding your co-founder. She goes in depth about the process of finding your co-founder. She talks about human-centered design and the importance of it. I think the importance of it in all product categories, not just software, but hardware. Piper also gets into the decision on raising money for her young startup, how to do it, and the support of her non-technical co-founder in the process. I find a lot of great takeaways from this 15 minutes or so of tape, and I hope that you will as well. I'm really grateful that you've joined us here to level up your game. Remember, you can always find the resources and learn more about today's guest recommendations from this and many other of our more than 575 episodes over in the show notes at mysuncast.com. Take a moment, if you will, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. While you're at it, you can go search for us on YouTube. We are beginning to release a lot more video content from these episodes, as well as my travels to many of the trade shows of the year. I hope that you will subscribe and like those videos as well. Just search for Suncast Media on YouTube. It's easy enough to find. Now, let's get down to business and tune up your skills, Solar Warrior, with another practical, tactical conversation here on Suncast. I love that you have focused on the human-centered aspect of it because specifically it's an area that's neglected in an effort to just capture all of the data in a monitoring scenario, right? Is like, okay, well, who's going to do what with this data? I'd say most monitoring platforms really do focus on like, how do we capture the data? How do we uh, interpret it and create alerts around it? And and it's not that they're uh, forgetting the human, but what I hear you saying is that you are sort of human centered in, in the design process. If I have no experience with human-centered design at all, what's a good sort of mainstream example that would resonate for me? 
you know, the, the human-centered design activities that we've worked with, so HCD is how you evolve a product. This can apply to tennis shoes. It can apply to software. It can apply to the microphones and headsets that you and I both have right now. And it's a line of inquiry that interviews people, that asks what they had for breakfast, that asks what the worst part of their job is, asks the last time they felt acknowledged, asks what they, if they had a magic wand, what would they do? A funny thing about product design is that if I said, Nico, how would you make your microphone better? You would like start solutioning and coming up with a couple of different ideas. And they may not actually be great solutions. The way we each solution, what works for me, what works for you might be really different. And so a gifted product designer distills that feedback, distills the broader horizon, that landscape in which we are using the product and then derives a solution that reflects a solution to whatever whatever has just come to light through the interview. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite stories, we didn't know what we were doing initially. So we hired a human-centered designer who had done extensive work with this and we chartered a small airplane and flew above the Arctic Circle to visit a community called Venatai in Alaska, where one of our operators were. And um, it was actually, the flight was so bumpy that Hannah threw up in her purse. And um, I mean, it was like, you know, we were really out there, landed on a lake. Uh, I was still nursing Binget. She and my husband came with us and we sat down with this gentleman for three hours in, um, in his living room and asked a lot of questions about his job as a power plant operator, microgrid operator and recorded the content and, you know, interviewed his sub operator. And it was, um, it was one of my richest memories in starting 60 Hertz for two reasons. First, I had ideas about what I thought the product would or could do. One of them was I had a massive bias. I had seen a lot of Alaska native pl- people playing bingo. And so I was like, well, bingo, we can include bingo as part of an incentive in the app. Mm-hmm. Like who doesn't like bingo? I like bingo. I've been to a bingo parlor. Well, so I say to Tim Thuma, um, but now what about bingo? Do you play bingo very often? And he snorted and said, no, that's just for old ladies. Wow. So, so like, great. That was, you know, disabused me immediately of, uh, of that thought. But the more important piece was I wanted the software at that time to touch on deeply human aspects of what we have to bring to work sometimes, which is to say, if there is a trauma in our experience, if we are dealing with an environment that statistically has a higher rate of trauma, how do you get your job done if you are living with a family member who is um, chronically intoxicated, who is in and out of jail? Yeah. Like, how does that impact? Mm. And I'm a disciple of the adverse childhood experiences thesis. I think that if more of us understood how ACEs impact our ability to perform our work, that we would have public policy solutions that are far more effective. Um, And so I thought this was the right time to bring up gently some of these questions in this human-centered design interview. Mm -hmm. And, And it wasn't. It wasn't. I was wrong. And he basically said that emotions are for pussies and we don't do that here. Cultural difference. Cultural difference, uh, generational difference, perhaps like there were there were a lot of things, but I, I um, you know, as woke as we all are and as, again, triggering a word as that is for some people, yeah. um, I think I think the we are woke, evolving. The <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Nico. <laughs> I just turned red, but that was, that it was good timing. I couldn't resist. <laughs> 
Oh my God. Um, Keep going. As well as I think as well as we all want to be, not all of us are, not certainly not all of my users are and don't want to be. And um, you know, I think there I think there's really there's a role and a place and a time. Mm. And so that's another great reason why human centered design wow. can can really help evolve a solution that is a better fit for today for this generation yeah. and what we're bringing forward. Also, one thing that I heard there, and I'm making a note for my team is it sounds like a good human-centered design interviewer is a good podcast interviewer. So Yeah, yeah. I can I, Hannah is one of I would love yeah, for you yeah, to introduce okay. me to all of the HCDs that you know. Yeah. Yeah. because uh, I love meeting them. I find that, that it's hard to find folks that are genuinely curious enough to unapologetically ask questions, but be kind and empathetic and understand that you might not get answers, right? I find far too many people ask questions that they expect answers for rather than asking questions to see where the conversation goes. And I think the latter is very useful case in point. Mm. I mm-hmm. asked you to tell me more about human centered design and you told me a fantastic story that I never would have heard. Mm. And it goes back at the beginning of the conversation. I said, you know, some of this touchy feely like background of where we came from stuff is hard to edit out, but it gets us to that vulnerable place where we do remember stories that actually have meaning. And, uh, and it's why my interviews tend to go longer and why our, our true, <laughs> our true fans stick through them all because there are gems like that throughout these uh, conversations. And I'm grateful for the ones that have already um, sort of come up in this conversation. How did you go about developing your founding team? Nico, that's such a, I don't know. Obviously I, I, I'm blushing and smiling and loving that question mm-hmm. because it was, um, we are not the traditional tech company. Mm-hmm. We're not a bunch of bros. It's all women. Mm-hmm. So a couple, a couple points. Um, I knew that I wanted to start this thing. And at this time, a very longtime friend, like the sister in my life had just left her role at Grameen Foundation, where she had been developing tech solutions for agriculture and emerging markets and was accustomed to working in across 15 time zones. And so Whitney Gant had just left that work and it was good timing for her to be a thought partner and to dive in and to really investigate together how 60 Hertz could come forward. If you're unfamiliar with Grameen Foundation, look up Grameen Bank and recognize that this is not just some random job she was leaving. So we we won't go down that rabbit hole, but wow. She was leaving Grameen and she was leaving Grameen. Yeah. Thank you for the context for, for listeners who may not be as familiar, but yeah, Yeah. my gosh. So, so Whitney is a powerhouse Mm -hmm. at that time. I was new to Alaska, right? Like I'd only been there two years and I was concerned about a talent vacuum. I was wondering who I was going to find. I didn't know who else I could reach out to, even in my larger Colorado community. This thing seemed like kind of a wild hair and a risk anyway. Um, and so, um, but as you know, by talking to me, I do a lot with intuition. I, I really do trust the grace of the universe to place exactly in our hands what we need when we need mm-hmm. it. And um, this experience has been nothing but that. So that's, that was in March of 2017, March, April of 2017, that, that things kicked off with 60 Hertz. That summer... I went to a barbecue alone. My husband was supposed to go with me to with one of his friends. And of course he got called away on assignment. And so here I was with like a fruit salad, trying to meet all these new friends in my thirties. And of all good graces, there was another couple that had just moved to Alaska as well. Um, and Laura was, Laura Wilson um, is a diesel engineer on large hmm. maritime vessels. There are like 
two women in the world that have this job. Wow. And um, she happened to be standing on the porch at this barbecue and was two weeks into Alaska. And so Laura was a tremendous thought partner as at that time, 60 Hertz had to be really focused on diesel because that's the backbone of most microgrids, particularly in the Arctic. So, you know, she, she was with us for several months, was really instrumental contributed a ton of the of hmm. the of the content that we needed similarly around this time um had had met Tanya James and that was again an experience where my neck got hot and i just felt really like i knew something powerful was with this was with this colleague that i'd met and the short story the headline is Tanya ultimately has gone on to become my my true co-founder she is Alaska native she is the 17th generation in her family to serve in the armed forces she saw combat in Afghanistan. She used to be a police officer. She loves renewable energy because the Alaska Native community that her family um, is from has paid 40 cents a kilowatt hour since the beginning. I just, I mean, Tanya is is a gift. I can't imagine what this company would be like without Tanya James. And it's been it's been such an honor to like grow up together in the startup space with her. And so she came aboard about, you know, in 20, uh, 2017, 2018, working part-time until we could afford to to really hire her. And now she's just my right-hand woman and um, also not a technical founder. You know, like neither of us knew very much about software, but she, um, she has become our head of product because she's gotten so good at this and understands a lot today. Hey, I know you are a savvy listener. Heck, you're listening to Suncast and you've probably, as a result, heard of a little company called SunGrow. If you're not using SunGrow inverters on your projects, I would love to better understand why. They are the inverter of choice for many of the EPCs that I know. SunGrow is the number one in gigawatts deployed. They've got the top bankability in the industry, Hexsolv uses them for the majority of their projects. And you may not even know, but SunGrow has the largest R&D team in the power electronics industry. These three key points alone have convinced most of the major U.S. developers to prefer SunGrow. They now experience a diversified supply chain, local service team, patented containerized product, all with their seamless pain-free commissioning. Look, imitation is the highest form of flattery. So why spend all of your cycles on what inverter to use when the largest EPC in the land has already done the heavy lifting for you? You can have their same experience for your projects. See how at mysuncast.com forward slash sungrow. Hey family, one quick reminder here that if you haven't yet joined Resource Labs, you are missing out. It is our outstanding community. It's the evolution of Suncast moving from presentations, you listening to us talk, to conversations. Our community involved in conversations as varied as powering Australia to green hydrogen to crypto and so many other things. Our newsroom is full of great insights. The main chat and even our RE Plus Where to Party At channel have been popping off. We've got more than 100 folks enjoying the community, and I would invite you in. You can do that at mysuncast.com forward slash community. Come see how Resource Labs can help you grow your influence, impact, and income. See you inside. What do you think Tanya would say? was the important skill to learn as a non-technical founder to be able to build a successful software product. 
Wow. She came by it honestly because the first several iterations of the product were really bad. They didn't work very well. And Tanya had mm-hmm. to be the face of failure to our customers in helping troubleshoot and solve issues. She configured all of these early customers. Mm-hmm. She was inside. As I was outside facing in sales and investor facing and managing the, some of that, uh, the, the division of labor became mm-hmm. that she had to really solve it. So by hearing the complaints of customers, by understanding how the product really should have worked better than it did and being the one to solve it, she came to those skills on her own. She would say, I think she would say that to be good at software, you have to be a systems thinker because it's impossible to imagine the edge case of what's the outlying use case that you have not designed for, but that surprisingly 20% of your customer base will now suddenly need. So she's been good at that kind of foresight. And she's been, she's also an excellent listener and really does retain what people are saying to her. We've mentioned a couple of times investors. Can you share a little about the decision to go and raise money, how you knew that was the thing you needed to do and the the process, maybe where you're at now, uh, as much as you are willing to share in terms of how much you've raised, uh, how you thought about it being, you know, basically based in, based in Alaska and working in a, um, and I'll call it a, a, a niche of the industry that is a mix of hard tech and software. Can you talk a bit about that fundraising decision and process? Yeah, Nico. So just to position 60 Hertz, I've raised just over 3 million to date. We're squarely um, pre-A. The plan is for Series A next year. And, you know, I think for listeners that are familiar with raising venture capital, particularly female and minority founders, the ability for venture capitalists to to be willing to place money in you is statistically quite um, impossible. In fact, I think uh, the 2021 numbers from Crunchbase show that uh, only um, 2.6% of venture went to a single female founder. Wow. And it's, it's, it's alarming. And I, um, I don't, the, the, the I, and yet I relate to it. Um, when you think about parting with something that for many people is more important, sadly, than their families, than a lot of other, they, your money, yeah. like getting rid of your money or investing it is a very emotional decision for many people. Now you've got investors where that's simply a job as well, but yeah. how do we make bets? And I think the unconscious bias, looking at a woman, um, uh, who, especially one who's declared, self-declared as, as non-technical, that could be a barrier. Nonetheless, I've been so grateful for the incredibly open-minded and supportive and obviously alert investors that have made the decision to place capital with us. I frankly didn't comprehend that there was a route besides venture because that's what I had known. Um, starting Amatis, helping start Amatis Controls in Aspen, the CEO there had the classic Aspen experience where someone else slid, you know, like a $2 million check across the dinner table and was like, go for it, build this um, IoT company. And so I actually went out to market with a pitch deck right off the right out of the gates in 2017 and was going to raise a million dollars on a pitch deck, which we do see plenty of people doing. Yeah. I think there's a lot of hubris behind that. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy if you're a white boy to raise that kind of money with that kind of vision. And I, I don't mean to say that with such um, a scant, yeah. but statistically, that just is a lot of what we see. Yeah. 
And so the path for us has been, I would still do venture. Mm -hmm. I think having um, your ideas vetted by others, having to defend your idea is incredible. And for a product like software that is expensive to build up front until you hit scale, I just don't see how most people um, would have the the capital to do it. I mean, we're easily 2 million into um, into into our CapEx to develop this product today. That said, if those, if you can bootstrap it and raise as you do, then great. And I would certainly invest in a second time founder the next way through because so much of what you're paying for is learning curve. I think that we talked a bit about sort of the difficult process of hiring and um, that being an obvious headache. Another, another obvious headache for, and especially for venture funded companies, because you do need to not only find users, but find, uh, find customers. And they're not always the same is you have to get your name out there. Um, listeners of Suncast can readily acknowledge and identify ways that you've done that because you've partnered here with Suncast in this year. But I'm curious, as a founder, you've got a lot on your plate, but you also are chief sales or chief revenue officer. How do you think about the concept of thought leadership and marketing yourself and the product? I'm curious how you have framed that and what you've experimented with and what you've seen work. For a company at our stage, you know, 60 Hertz has 20 employees. Um, we're, we're scattered globally. Um, we're hearing lots of stories. I'm placing myself in a position so that I can be right in touch with customers, mm-hmm. right in touch with VCs to see the trends that they're observing in the market so that there is the thought leadership to be had. Um, I, I read as much as I can. And I think that's also very renewing and important so that we're not just tethered to the project management software and solving solving the day to day. For me, going to conferences, being out and about, it has been um, just the, the the milk of what's been so mm-hmm. essential to gain those early customers, and the authenticity of doing what it takes to 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 get them. Um, we've made some really bad deals. Uh, we have um, don't tell anybody. We have a large power set of power plants in Australia, and oh my gosh, they are not paying enough for their product. And mm-hmm. um, we're but we needed that early reference customer, and yeah. we're figuring out now how to how to inch them up. Your secret's safe with me and three thousand, my friend. <laughs> I know exactly. everyone who's listening. <laughs> you, all of you, please tell Ben to to pay more per month. <laughs> um, but the the you know, and I guess I think you know something I just love about startup culture is that it's like you have chances for conversations like this, which feel really good and are so endorsing. And Nico, thank you so much for providing a platform for all this hard work to like get acknowledgement because it is so unglamorous otherwise. And I don't know what's making me think of this, but um, I had a conference. I was attending a conference in Denver earlier this year and was so excited to get home to Nathaniel and Binga and was standing at DIA to like take the direct flight to Anchorage. And number one, I am not a very prompt person. So really working on this. But number two, I also never on social media, like I really don't post, but was standing at the gate waiting for a few minutes and posted about, you know, on Instagram, how excited I was to go see them, looked up and saw that the United agent had closed the flight. And I was like, I'm here, I'm here. And he's, and he could have cared. He could have cared less. Wouldn't open the gate. Wouldn't like, that was it. I just like toasted my own opportunity to get home that night. And (sighs) through a series of rebooks and uh, a a variety of things, I didn't even have my luggage. Like it was all, it was such a loss and made it as far as Seattle that night. And then at one in the morning, ended up wrapping myself up in the 60 Hertz tablecloth. I had my conference kit bag that had like peppermint 
different patties and some fake flowers in it and the 60 hertz tablecloth and just slept on the floor of the Seattle airport oh my gosh. Um, before catching finally a flight home the next day. But it's like, I don't know. I mean, it's so unglamorous um, getting the company off the ground at this stage. And yet the reward of having having customers find value in our product of, of you know, hearing conversations about how it's working for them is just um, it makes it worth it. All right. Well, that's a wrap on today's practical insights into this Solar Warrior's journey, founding her software and hardware microgrid startup as a non-technical founder. Did you catch that little tidbit right towards the end? One of my favorite takeaways from this interview is such a gem where Piper says, I would certainly invest in a second time founder the next time through because so much of what you're paying for is the learning curve. I like to think that here on Suncast, what you're paying for with your attention is the learning curve of others who've gone through the battle so that you don't have to. Well, you're going to have to anyway, but now you are more well-equipped. We'll be right back here on Thursday with an interview with the Chief Development Officer, Emily Cohen of Primergy. Emily is an incredibly talented and experienced solar and wind executive. I hope that you will tune in for that episode. If you want to enjoy even more like this in our 575 plus episodes, well, the resources, highlights, and discussions around social media links, book recommendations, and more are in the show notes over at mysuncast.com. And while you're there, if you've been wondering how you could partner with Suncast as a sponsor, or get coaching from me personally to help scale your clean energy business, transition your career over to the solar industry, or just commune with other like-minded souls, you can find all of that right from the homepage at mysuncast.com. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle.